0: I heard you changed the colors too. Like your gorilla logo colors you changed them to it was an orange and <laughs> it was a fuchsia
1: you're you're a very you, you, it's just the colorblind injury there's nothing there's no color
0: no someone said it was it was a new like 90s style color like a lot of really uh-huh. bright like yellows and electric blues see I think that's your color blind blindness coming out if I was just going off my own what, eye, what, what, be what color is your belt my color does it change day to day (laughs) I'm fucking with you no, no, no it's funny you say that because I still don't know when some I still will struggle to see if someone's a purple belt or blue belt because my belt it looks purple to me that shade of blue looks purple it looks like a lavender and so I'm going to get you a lavender belt when you test. Oh, <laughs> I'll be like, I don't even feel like I accomplished anything now. <laughs> but yeah, I, when I go to new gyms, I will see blues and purples to me are the same. So I'm like, I don't know if this guy's better than me or not. And maybe that works out better. Yeah. Um, better for you. Yeah. I, I look at it in the same way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, there's no difference between them. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I, I will have to ask. I'll look over at someone who's next to me and be like, hey. Clive is—is he uh, uh—is he blue or purple? He's purple. Okay, and then some of the dark blue belts look purple. I don't know. Once they start to fade, I can't tell the difference between them. I'm gonna get you a lavender belt—a very baby (laughs) lavender belt. I hate you.
1: I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'll go out of my way to buy one of those. You will try to find one that looks as close to blue as possible. Yeah. Oh yeah. It'll cost me, you know, $300
0: to help. I'll, I'll pay for a custom belt. All right. Well, the joke will be on both of us then. So that, yes, that's a good yes. joke. all right episode 51 one away from our one year anniversary that's right oh man and i think i I already booked reservations at a really nice italian restaurant so we could do you want to do dinner and then the podcast or the podcast and then the romantic dinner i think i think podcast and romantic dinner cool yeah because then we can have some drinks get a little loosey-goosey yeah i don't put on the first date damn it well no this is a year it's a one year anniversary <laughs> well <laughs> all sorry right. i have to put a ring on it i get it yeah all right <laughs> episode 51 and this is a continuation from our last episode which was uh the passing series and who are we oh thank you very much uh-huh. i can't be making these mistakes no a at year at one, one year you cannot be doing this no this is the last episode that i get leniency <laughs> yeah. on. That. this is the just jujitsu podcast my name is Andrew Desimoni and I am here with... Crowley Gracie. And we are talking today about passing, and the specific type of pass we're doing is the... it had a couple names, a pressure pass, a smash pass. Right. And it, if you're a small person... Don't listen because this isn't for you. you. Small people can't do this, right? No, that's, that's, that's not that's true. That's where we're going. So turn it off that's, if that's you're under true. five seven and under 170 pounds. No, that's a bunch of baloney. <laughs> Uh Could you tell us what a pressure pass is and a smash pass or a smash um, pass?
1: So, so a pressure pass or pressure based passing. Um, iconically, people think of like crushing like the legs together, you know, and then keeping it underneath your body and basically walking around the legs. That's like super traditional. Um, smash passing or, or pressure passing, but the reality is, it's a it's an umbrella of techniques. It's a it's a class of passing, uh, much like we talked about movement passing, where we use movement to limit range of motion and control hip mobility. We can use pressure to limit mobility and control you know hip movement and and that's pretty much what it kind of comes down to is instead of causing your opponent to move in ways that is you know mechanically inefficient to them, we just stop any movement from them.
0: okay, and then the difference on our end is once we stop that movement is is the movement the same as or is it what is it different from the type of uh, passes we were talking about
1: last time. Uh, It's very, it's it's completely different, really. Um, One, you're looking for space so you can get better angles, better movement, Um, when we talk about movement passing. And when we talk about smash passing, we want to eliminate space. We want to limit mobility. We want to tie things up. We talked about leg weaving or arm weaving the legs. Um, That is one way, because it limits leg mobility. If your knees can't move, your hips are stuck. And then you can add weight to it so that everything moves a little bit slower. Um, It's just just a different approach to passing.
0: Can you use pressure pass and smash pass? Interchangeably, or is a smash pass a specific type of? I think pass? I think
1: smash smash to me is like like jits. I think if you say those things, you should like uh. find a wall and run your head into it. <laughs> well, this
0: episode is going to be called the smash
1: pass. That's okay. The uh, jit smash pass. I, I will assume you have ran your head into a wall as hard as you
0: can. Can you say smash pass 10, 10 times? Mass? No. Smash pass. Smash pass. Smash pass. Smash pass. Smash pass. Yeah, it's kind of tough.
1: No, just pressure passing.
0: Pressure passing, pressure passing, pressure passing, pressure passing, pressure passing. That's easy. That's the better of the two, clearly. It is easier. Okay. <laughs> what are uh, what are the staples of a, a pressure pass when breaking down that whole large umbrella of uh, category? So, so the first thing is to find a way to limit
1: um, knee mobility. Uh, and that can come from a number of smaller concepts like like we talked about like with the, uh, the arms being a we weaving the arms through. It can come from stapling the knees down. It can come from collapsing. Um, it can come from um, uh, pulling pulling the legs into a certain position. Um, you can get into stacking. All of those will can be functional in a way that limits leg mobility. Once you've eliminated leg mobility, you know, the hips are essentially are, are dead. You know, your upper body can move, but your your lower body's done. And then we add weight to it to kind of so that we're not using power all the time because it takes a lot of energy to control somebody's legs. So you need the dexterity to get them into place. And then your weight or pressure, better yet, your pressure to maintain that control.
0: When I think of, uh, I think... A lot of times when I hear pressure pass, what comes to mind is just big, strong people literally smashing through someone to pass. That's iconic of bigger guys. Right. Because they're incapable of doing movement passing. And so when properly executed, when you have like a technical precision pressure pass... Then anybody can do it. What what does that look like when you think of like a very crisp, universal... You want me to walk through one? uh, No, just like there's... When I think of a pressure pass, I think of big guys stacking you, like Uh then just folding your body, walking around or just blasting through.
1: Yeah. To me, what comes to mind when I hear pressure passing, they're the passing that's um, tends to be uncomfortable. So like a movement passing, you just feel like an idiot because you're like, the guy passed you know like i just whiffed i missed i i was too late too slow i couldn't get my legs if i you know if i had moved a little better but with pressure passing you you know that they're gonna pass you know it's happening you know that you can't stop it and and it's not comfortable and then they pass all the same
0: all right that's a good characteristic because i think everyone has been in a position where you feel someone passing and it's just that slow it's it's sometimes more impressive, but definitely more infuriating than a movement pass where they just like they're there and they're not. This, right. this is, you feel them just slowly working past like Victor from our gym at right. Brown Belt. He will, when he'll pass with me, I don't know how he rolls with you or other people, He'll just slowly like just yeah. hug you and just. He's like the like the blob. <laughs> yeah, and, and, he, and he's just a little bit bigger than me. Yeah, he's
1: 145 pounds.
0: Yeah, and he slowly, methodically moves past, and I know what I know what he's going for, and I will even sometimes say like, "No, Victor." This is, nope, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I, this is not going to happen. And now. then he
1: tells you to relax because it'll hurt less.
0: It, yeah, this says that <laughs> in a very creepy voice. And, he, and sure enough, I do relax and it doesn't hurt as much. And, and he passes. Yeah, so uh, that, uh, that jumps over to the, the other thing I mentioned originally. You don't have to be a big person no. for pressure passing. No, because pressure, people assume that, like,
1: People assume that only big guys can deliver pressure, and that is absolutely not true. You know, um, pressure is simply force applied into onto a surface area, and force is just you know mass dra- mass with a direction, right? So, if if um, you know, if we just look at just basic example for pressure is like the advent of neon belly, right? It's a great position to deliver just. Raw pressure. I am, you know, probably a hundred pounds bigger than you. My knee is probably twice as big as yours. So when I deliver pressure, when I position my body, I'm delivering on twice the surface area, right? Mm-hmm. When you apply your your pressure, it's a hundred pounds less, sure, but your surface area is half that size. So. You know, it, your, your force won't get spread out as far as mine will.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's know. why more big guys are going to do the pressure passing, passing than smaller guys, because they can get sloppy with that. They don't have to apply as much, They're be as precise correct. In, in their application of force. Correct.
1: And, and, and not only that, it's a twofold thing, because for a big guy to do movement passing, they have to move and most big guys are not in good enough shape to do two or three minutes worth of movement passing. It's very exhausting for them. They burn more energy, where a lighter guy is much easier for them to do two or three minutes of fast movement passing, right? Um, But for a big guy, they don't have to be as accurate because they're bigger, it's a natural thing for them. Just like for a smaller guy to do movement passing, they don't have to be as precise because they're generally speaking faster and they're gonna outlast the person that they're trying to pass. So um, it kind of falls into that, like if you're this body type, you're more you know prone to doing these these attacks, these passes, but that's not entirely true. Um, I do like to move and pass. I also do like to smash pass. It depends on who I'm going with in the situation. Um, but yes, so my point is, if you're small and you apply your pressure, your, your force, your weight into a smaller surface area and the angles are right, you will feel like a ton of bricks and they won't be able to move you, you know, regardless of size.
0: Yeah. You have to, in order to be a small person and do the pressure pass, have the precise and focused pressure, but then also, uh, you mentioned earlier spacing or. uh, Yes. You
1: have to eliminate space.
0: Yeah. And so. Does that just entail? If you're a small guy, are you gluing, like attaching yourself to them? And when, you, and if you are, sometimes that's scary because if they, it makes you feel vulnerable. Because if they move one way, it feels like I'm gonna go with them. And well, you you have to be connected but not attached. Mm-hmm. What, explain the distinction
1: between them. Um. So if we're connected, it means that there is a a relationship, a connection there. Attached means I am
0: secured to you, right? So- Would you say you and I are attached or secured? <laughs> or there's a connection, or are we secured? I, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna move on. <laughs> <to this. laughs> um, so the
1: if, you, if you're passing and you're holding, you're trying to eliminate space so hard that you're attaching yourself to the opponent, and they turn or they roll one way you may get dragged along with it because you're attached to them now if you're connected to them and they decide to move you're not secured to them so they can move on their own and you will remain in place um in our school i use the example of like when you're in bottom side i said i tell you guys not to grip the gi right from bottom side i say hey cup it because if you grip the ghee, you create an attachment, and if they raise their chest, your elbow gets exposed. Versus if you cup, there's a connection there, and if they move their chest up, your hand doesn't follow.
0: Which, when you first said that, I remember thinking, "That's ridiculous. It's so that's such a small little detail. Whether, you're, whether you <laughs> cup it or you grip it, I'm like surely that can't, that cannot affect things because it's just." If they move, I'm gonna let go.
1: Right, but nobody lets go.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> after after enough straight arm bars and uh, Kimoras and yeah. other painful things, I can now say that there may be some, some that, truth to that, that. That I may know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, you, may, you might know. Uh, so, focusing your pressure. Uh, connected but not attached. Connected but not attached how are you utilizing posture in pressure passing
1: so your posture um again remember when we first started talking about guard passing when we when we say the word posture we're not talking about you know sp- strictly and specifically only shoulders f- back chest forward you know like a military style we're, we're talking more, more about how do we achieve a body positioning, our own body positioning in order to be most mechanically efficient, right? So um, in a smash pass, I don't need to have this pretty posture, chest out, you know, shoulders, back or anything like that. What I need to do is create, put myself in in a structure that disables your movement, that eliminates your ability to move and allows me to move forward. So depending on how you're passing, your posture will be different. But generally speaking, it's going to be a lot of downward force with your hips, chest, shoulders, collarbone sometimes. Um, and it's going to be as low to the ground as you can get um, without, of course, being on the ground. Um, the reason for that is because it'll makes you heavier. The closer to the floor you are, the harder you are to move.
0: Okay. And then if, you, if, if you're... If you're shoulder down, chest down, then it makes me think your hips. What are your hips doing hip, in a lot of these? Hips are
1: usually either downward force or forward force. It depends on the pass. But generally speaking, they're being used to pin, staple, or control You know your legs or your hip movement, generally speaking.
0: Movement passing, correct me if I'm wrong, in my head is going to be a good chunk of it you're standing up doing the passing it can be yeah with pressure passing is there more of an even split between being down uh it seems like there are a lot of pressure passes where you're on your knees or right right
1: generally speaking pressure passes will ultimately be closer to the floor on your knees on your hips sometimes even um and and in movement passes generally speaking you're going to be on your feet because you have that quick agility and mobility there um but it doesn't have to be that way. And we have to be careful that we don't confuse, you know, breaking or opening a guard and passing, right? So True. I could stand up, open a guard, and then immediately drop to my knees or lower my base and do a smash pass. The same as I could break and open your guard on my on my knees and then stand up to, to do movement passing. There, you know, you have to make sure it makes sense and it follows the flow of the fight, but We have to make that distinction of Mm -hmm. I just opened your guard and I'm actually passing your guard.
0: Going back to the pressure, I was thinking as you described that pressure, you shouldn't be thinking I want to like I'm I'm pressure. I'm going to try to smash this person. Mm -mm. What is are you only using as much pressure as it takes to control and keep a particular part of the body stationary?
1: Me, Me in particular, yes. I'm going to put as as much force and weight as it is necessary to control, achieve the desired control, and then I will pass. I won't put more than that because it's a waste of energy. And anytime you give 100% of any physical attribute, you lose control, right? Uh, It's one thing for me to run really fast. It's one thing for me to recklessly run as fast as I can. Mm-hmm. You know, the same same thing. If I'm sprawling and I'm putting a lot of weight on your knees so you can't move your knees, that's different than me just, you know, spreading eagle on the floor. <laughs> you know, like that there's a loss of control there.
0: Do you see new people who are trying pressure passes trying to exert way too much energy in doing it's, so? It's it's one or the other. Either people
1: are using way too much power that they don't need i mean if if my hips let's say i'm let's say i'm passing i'm smash or pressure passing and i put my hips and i crush your knees to the floor so your knee is pinched between my hip and the floor right and you cannot move that knee anymore what good does it mean to just does me to like put even more weight on that knee yeah like I'm gonna, if
0: i'm not going to tap from it what's the point point in? well squeezing? you're not
1: gonna tap from it you're not gonna move less you're already not moving the only thing I'm going to do is exert energy and bruise my hip. You know, that's one mistake, but then there's also the other mistake. And it's usually the bigger guys that do this where they assume that pressure passing is just weight. Hmm. So there's some, I'm bigger. They don't put actually any weight. They just kind of lay on you and there's no weight. They're just, there's just a lot of them Hmm. to move, but there's no real like, man, this really hurts or this is really heavy. It's just, man, there's just, you know, Mass everywhere
0: So that you see a lot of larger guys who just think "My, I can just use My large mass to just okay. If I just lay down This is this yeah. Is the, the
1: best pressure passers, the
0: best weight class For pressure passing in competition
1: Generally speaking Are the 190 to 225 guys They tend to be Big enough To rely on pressure passing And they tend to be small enough That they need to be accurate with it too when you get to like the two eighties, two nineties, three hundreds, three hundred fifties, they're just laying on you. There's no weight. There's just a lot of them there, and it's hard to move out of uh, out of underneath that.
0: Which isn't that then technically, by definition, the ex- the right amount of pressure. It's enough to, for the person not to move, and they're no, not exerting.
1: No, because they're not. They're not. Um, they're not controlling. <laughs> right. So, if somebody that big lays on on you. It doesn't mean that you can't get out from the bottom. It doesn't mean you can't move. It just means it's um, it's going to take you a little bit longer to escape than somebody that is just smaller doing the same thing. Meanwhile, if somebody pressure passes, you cannot move. So there's a difference there between it sucks because there's just a lot of this guy mm-hmm. versus... I cannot move. Like, this is a problem, you know? And then, and, and, you know, when you're a beginner, they might as well be the same thing. But as you go through the ranks, that becomes very different. You know, there's always the, uh, there's always the guys that are super explosive and they can get out of submissions and you're like, man, that guy's fast. And then there's a difference between the guy who is actually fast. The guy who is actually fast, you're never going to, Beat them speed wise, versus the guys who are explosive, who can suddenly do enough to to pass. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. there's a difference there. Yeah. So,
0: what are a lot of the common mistakes that you see people who are trying to pressure pass?
1: Um, hip. You know they 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 get the control. They weave the legs. They collapse the knees. They collapse the hip. They do all the right things to hinder mobility, and they create upper body anchors, lower body anchors, and then. And then it comes time to actually pass, and as soon as they start moving, all that control that was hard earned just—they blow it.
0: Uh, So it's like the steps when you teach a uh, technical technical choke, and you have people put their hands in the collar. They they have their hands behind the opponent's head, and you say, "Roll your wrists towards you. Now extend, or now spread your wrists apart." and that first thing the first step you roll your wrists it's nice and tight and then as soon as you go for that spreading of your fists you loosen yeah that grip
1: and then 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 it's no good from that point forward
0: right so all that pro- forward progress is useless away. now right and so make sure when you're going through all your steps and channels to apply that pressure
1: it's like shooting a perfect double leg You know, getting your hands behind the knees, looking up, powerful chest and shoulders. Your knees aren't really touching the mat. You're ready to explode up and pick the person up. You get there, you work really hard to get there, and then you all of a sudden start looking at the, at the floor, you hunt your back, you know, and then the opponent sprawls hard on top of it. I mean, like, I mean, like you work so hard to, to get that control, that opportunity, and then when you finally go to pass, you raise your hips, or you take the weight off, or you can't move and maintain control. So then you start giving up your control in order to pass, but then by giving up that control, the opponent can now move, and then you, you end up, it ends up being a zero sum game. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, Paul... Paul from Grappling Dads did not know what a zero-sum game is. And I'm going to pick on him a little bit.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Because he kept saying zero-sum game as, like, something that we're both winning. And he didn't understand that zero-sum means that nobody wins.
0: Oh, uh, he thought it was a win-win yeah. solution.
1: Yeah, and it, it's it, that's not what it is.
0: When was this the, the recent uh, Maybe, episode? like,
1: six or seven episodes ago. <laughs> and I texted him, and I said, hey, you don't know what zero-sum game is? And he's like, no, I do. And then, like, I broke it down for him. And he goes, well, now I feel stupid... And I'm like, and nobody else will notice. And he didn't get shit from anybody anywhere. So I'm, I'm just telling all the fans now you're welcome, Paul.
0: Yeah. Light them up. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, with pressure passing, how big of a component is patience for a pressure pass? Patience is important, but patience
1: is, um, let's, let's take a step back. So, um, I, I, Fabio Gorgel, um, uh, who is, a, is an old school practitioner, one, at one point in time was considered the second best in the world. Uh, he's the active leader for Alliance, won four or five world titles. Very, very good guy. Um, very nice guy, too. And um, he he once said that. Um, Because he's a big guard passer. Not that he's not good in the bottom. He's obviously good everywhere, but um, he's a he's a predominantly a guard passer, you know, and and a smash passer at that. And he um, he said once that the person that wins the guard versus guard passing game is the more patient person, right? And and that's a very simple statement, but there's a lot of depth to it. It does not matter what guard I'm passing, if as I'm trying to pass, whether it's a, the, the appropriate pass or the in, you know incorrect pass for that given situation, if it does not matter if I'm doing it right or wrong, if I lose my cool and I lose my patience and I cannot keep my mind on task, my passing will get sloppy and I will get beaten with it. Um, the same thing with guard work if I'm trying to do whatever guard I like to do and I have things that I should be doing and I know how to do them and I'm accurate with them if I lose my cool because it's a struggle it's a little bit difficult to do because this guy's doing the correct things too then they will pass because I've lost my cool okay so but in terms of do you need more patience to do smash passing versus movement passing I like how you said smash passing but go ahead yeah I know it's your fault. It's I feel I hate myself for it.
0: Uh, I can't wait for the day where you say, "Yeah, I mean, when I as I grew up doing jits, I just I, I will, found myself." I, I will. That'll be the last time I train. Will you hand your black belt over to to like Yeah,
1: I'll, I'll I'll just be done. Okay. So the reason why. Oh, you say the, patience between the patients with both. Between, the yeah, the way you may think it's more necessary in pressure passing is because generally speaking, pressure passing is a slower pass. Another word for that would be methodical versus movement passing tends to be fast and explosive. So I may be able to move and pass around somebody's guard in less than 30 seconds, but it may take me 30 seconds just to get my control that's needed for my pass. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm the uh, on the upside of this generally speaking generally speaking people that do movement passing tend to struggle to control the finished product so they get to side mount faster but they struggle to control there where people that pressure pass generally speaking tend to not struggle nearly as hard once they pass
0: because it's a slow journey there where there, there's more control. There's more
1: that. control, right. And they, you generally speaking, when you finish pressure passing and you end up in side mount, you are, you are already with good grips and good control. Your body's already placed in, a, in the correct spot in order to limit mo- mobility versus uh, mobility passing. Um, you may get to side mount very fast, but you don't have any grips, no framing, no wedging, no pressure or anything.
0: Yeah, sometimes with like a mobility pass, you end up. I'll pass, and I end up in let's say side control, and you kind of think for a second. Oh, that worked! Oh, I'm here now. Oh yeah. Okay, now I need to. I need to secure myself. Right. Pressure passing. It is that slow march. As soon it. as you get there, you know where you are. Do you like to combine pressure passing and movement passing? Yes. Like, just come fast and slow down fast slow down um the the
1: tempo that's what you're kind of getting at yeah the tempo the tempo is absolutely but not necessarily just fast and slow fast and slow but more so um should a pass get thwarted or 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 just dealt with or it's not no longer the best approach I will, generally speaking, just like our attacking series, it links off into another pass. That pass does not have to be another pressure pass. It may be a different style of pressure passing or it may be a movement passing. And then from there I can chain off and go into a different pressure pass or different mobility pass and kind of just keep branching out like we do with our attacks.
0: If you're, a, if you're trying to pass someone's guard who is undeniably faster than you, Uh huh. Is it foolish to try a movement pass? No. Should you just stick with a pressure pass?
1: No, it's not foolish. You just have to understand that it's gonna it's gonna take some work, right? You you'll have to beat them at their game, and you can do that with timing. Proper timing will generally speaking um, buffer poor control. Um, if I'm just there faster before you are, I can beat you to it. Okay. Um, but uh, with somebody that's generally speaking faster than me. Um, I will look to control and create, you know, anchors and staples and pressure and pin and basically pin them cause a, a series of lower body pins all and work my way up to side mount.
0: People wanting to get a good idea of, uh, pressure passing and how um, to start studying that. What people would you recommend um, they watch? So, um,
1: Bernhard Faria is is a good pressure passer. Um. Fabio Grouchel is a good pressure passer. Um, Believe it or not, um, Gordon does both pretty well. Um, He will do a lot of pressure passing, and then as soon as it fails or it starts to fail, he'll switch into mobility passing. So he's not explicitly pressure passing, but there's some good examples there. Like Cyborg Bouchesha. Bouchesha is probably the best pressure passer uh,
0: in the world right now. What's the state of pressure passing in professional jiu-jitsu because last time you talked about how movement has gotten really popular it, right did, has that hurt pressure passing
1: um I don't know if it hurts the right word it's just not fancy it's not the fad it's not the newest thing you know um pressure passing was one of the very first styles of passing because it works and you still see it today at all belt levels at all age categories at all weight categories you'll still see somebody Pressure passing, and it's still very, very efficient. You know, um, one of the one of the best matches last year was Keenan Cornelius versus Marigali. Um, I think in the Brazilian Open, I forget. Marigali movement passed around Keenan's. Like Keenan's got a great lapel guard, and he ties he ties people in there. and They can't move too much, and then he benefits from that. Marigali, like this, is a young Brazilian guy. Gave no shits blew right past gar- Keenan had no idea what happened he ended up with almost a neon belly inside mount and uh, and then Keenan worked his way back to guard which was a problem with movement passing right to control um, meanwhile you get a guy like Buchecha or Kanan Duarte who are also pressure passers you know, they, they, they kind of creep up on you. Like, Hajar is a big pressure passer. You know, Hajar was not a very big movement passer. He was very much a pressure passer. And, and you know, like, Hajar got called, you know, the blob, you know, because he starts to pass. You can't recover. You know, it's like having a, a wet blanket on top of you.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I'm going to say, the point to wrap up for our pressure passing episode. Any Anything that we didn't touch on that you think is valuable for pressure students of pressure passing no i think i think just um more than learning
1: you know an array of different techniques learn how to apply pressure better and i, I mean physical pressure you know decreasing surface area increasing power and force into the surface area without losing control
0: we're going to hop over now to a listener email we had a whole bunch this week. That was nice. We did. We'll we'll uh, we'll maybe just do one or two this episode. Guess what time it is? It's the listener mailbag. When you have a question for Kroiler, you just got to send it on through the computer or your phone. It's the listener mailbag.
1: That's disturbing. Also, where are they sending this to?
0: They're sending it to podcast at gmail.com. Or our PO box one three five seven. We don't have 4. a PO box now. We don't have a PO box. Just just send it through the uh, or Curler's home address. <laughs> I'll post not, it on Instagram. Let's not do that. <laughs> Speaking of posting on Instagram, I'll. I can't do it in this. I'll give Jamal a shout out. Yeah. For his, his upcoming fight through. Through that. We had another three thousand listener a week. by That's the That's good. Yeah. We're doing good? Yeah, it's going up. All right, the first email is from Joshua. Joshua says, well, his subject is helping white belts and stuff. What belt is Joshua? Joshua is, well, let me get to the email. I'll get us there. All right. Is this bully? Yes. Okay. He says, this is my first email to the show. Don't tell Paul and Kip.
1: Oh, that's it. Paul and it. Kip disregarding this
0: part. Yeah, they're they're not listening. They they turned off after Croyler started making fun of Paul. Yeah, I are. mean, listen, you you just you you hang up, you you stop listening. We've stopped listening to your show, so it's a zero sum game. Is that no? That's still the wrong because that's yeah. a win win. There, so yeah, still yeah. the wrongest,
1: Yeah, oh. yeah, he doesn't get it.
0: <laughs> All right, he says not long ago. Oh, he is a blue belt. Yeah, he's promoted okay. a blue belt. Yeah. I thought he was. Soon after, the coach had me starting working and helping the newer white belts with techniques during class time and showing them techniques during open mat. My question is this. When working with brand new people or lower white belts, how critical should I be of the techniques they are attempting? I understand that BJJ is new to them and many haven't moved their bodies in many of the ways we're asking them. Additionally, people learn at different speeds and better under some circumstances than others. If a technique is done mostly correct, should I accept that it is okay and move on with the idea of getting it closer maybe next time, or should I take the time then to really work on the smaller details? I don't want them to do a technique wrong, but I also don't want them to be discouraged. That's rough, because I'll have to be rough. Well, and he has the one more part here. I have also ran into a situation where I'm attempting to correct them, and they just keep doing the wrong thing it may be close, but it's not 100% correct. Okay. As I'm typing it, it occurred to me that my coach probably has similar issues while, while training myself and others. Hmm. All right. All right. So. I got I to take a deep breath for that one. All right. <laughs> so, Joshua, thank you for the
1: email. Yeah. So, as far as like, as far as should you let a student practice something incorrectly? Because right, you don't want to be hypocritical I'm the wrong person to ask because i'm a I'm the ultra perfectionist, and I will not settle for less than perfection from from you guys from from my students you know um, and it's not so much about when to quit instructing or when to quit correcting, but how you correct and how you get them to do the things that you want them to do you know even if they don't know any better you know it's if, if i walk up to somebody and say hey you're fucking stupid do the shit right and i walk away all i've done is create an animosity an animosity between me and the student where now the student sees my my advice as uh, as an argument as a as I'm being derogatory to them and they won't want to listen because there's that you know fuck that guy mentality now versus if I walk up to somebody and say hey try it my way see if you like it better all of a sudden we're working together and undoubtedly if you try it my way it will work better Mm. you know and then you see it as a collaboration versus uh, an enemy you know Mm. so it's not so much about how much criticism you give but how you deliver it, you know? um I don't think you should teach anybody incorrectly or stop short, which is the same thing. If they're missing six steps out of a 10-step technique, the first four are awesome, but they don't know the next six, they don't know shit, you know? So um I think that's the key there, which with that in mind, less is always more, you know? um There is something to be said, which the common trend in Jiu-Jitsu is to under-explain something. Here's how I do it. Now you do it. That's underexplained, right? And then there's something to go above and beyond and over-explain things, where you get into like Dan or her level, where you're spending 45 minutes explaining how to do a simple hip up. You know, like that's too much too. That's also not good. You know, um, I think as a good rule of thumb, it shouldn't take you more than three to five minutes to explain a technique. Yeah. If it takes you more than that, you don't understand it well enough or you think your student is stupid and they'll feel that way. Right. You know, and I think if you go too, too fast, then you're not doing a technique justice or being fair to your student. Um, so instead of spending one hour going over 50 techniques, spend minutes going over one and a half techniques or two techniques and let them practice and let them run within less questions. Um, also, class structure matters. So how often... Or is that student going to have a chance to get a refresher on that? So in our school, we do the same technique the whole week. So if you come in Monday and you come in Tuesday, by Thursday, you have had enough practice with the technique that it's, it's, it's ingrained. Versus if I do a technique Monday and you don't see it again for two years, you may never had get a chance to ask questions about the technique. You may have forgotten about it. And I won't be able to course correct over the week. It'll be if I remember that you struggled with that technique a year or two later. Mm. Um, uh, and, I, and I mean, no knock on, on on Josh or anything like that. I mean, he was asking a question because he wants to become a better instructor. But um, at the end of the day, it's very hard to, I, I, I see it as very difficult for a blue belt to teach. You know, white belts, it, it can be done. Especially if they've been a blue belt for a while. But when you've just become a blue belt, unless your instructor is having you teach specific things that they're aware that you know, that they're confident you know 100%, you might be doing more harm than good. And I said, I, I, you know, take it as offensive or don't. But, um, you know, if I I have a baby blue belt that just got their blue belt and, you know, they can do a decent arm bar, but not a perfect arm bar, and they go and teach that technique, that white belt now, Will you know, even less than a decent technique. And then it just spirals out of control.
0: That's a nice, thorough answer and a good response. And I think you were gentle. I think you were. I think I was. I think it was a good question. It very, it's a question coming from a, a good place, someone wanting to help. And and just to um,
1: reaffirm your feelings, your instructor
0: has most definitely
1: lost sleep over your ability or your, your teammates' abilities
0: to do things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna close up the listener mailbag. It's it's it has a zip and a snap snaps on it too. That's weird. Padlock too. <laughs> Do you think we, we about we this shit during the day? No. The no. sound effects you're gonna make. <laughs> no. If I, if I if this stuff took me all day to think of, I would be a very sad person. I wasn't sure. How a sadder person. Out. Yeah. Well, so we're, we're going to wrap this up. And before we do, when this episode comes out, you will be At the new one school. week away.
1: Oh, no, it'll be a week away. Right? Yeah,
0: unless there's a secret opening this weekend no, I wasn't no, told about. No, no, no. Yeah,
1: it'll be, it'll be one week away from the new school.
0: It will be. And yeah. it'll be fun with a lot of people there. If you could have one... Celebrity, one actor come to your grand opening. An actor, yeah. Oh my god, that's kind of. Yeah, I was gonna say like a famous person, but then you'd choose probably a jujitsu person. If you could have one actor, and wow. And they're just there for the show. I mean, They're, they just, they're just there. They're just there to say like, hey. I'm. Are
1: they interacting? Are they talking to people? Are they just standing there? Yeah, they'll be there talking to people. Okay, so they're engaging. Yes. Okay, so I got to pick somebody that could be mildly interesting.
0: Yeah, we're going to say that someone said, hey, I have a million dollars for you. You have to spend it on just a, one appearance from a celebrity. So they're there to like talk and whine and dine people. Oh, man. Uh, that's a tough one. Hmm probably the rock okay that's that's a solid choice
1: only because no pun intended only because i think he'd be very entertaining and very engaging to people
0: he has like a a typical build yeah yeah that'd be huge people would come to see the rock he's right. charismatic he's funny people love him right different from my choices but yeah Who i would have picked i would have said either willem defoe or jeff goldblum I think those would be great options, because... Defoe, you, I could see, but... Really?
1: Because uh, I, I think Defoe could be... Like, like, hey, everybody, like, yeah. I think he could, be, he could be awkwardly interesting.
0: Yeah. Hey, wait, hold on. You don't think Jeff Goldblum would be awkwardly interesting? Uh, I think he could be, but I think Defoe is just weird enough, you know? They both have the weird factor. Yeah. And I think if I had to choose one, probably Jeff Goldblum, because he is going to be a great entertainer. I'd ask him to... Ask him. I pay him a million bucks. I tell him that he has to show up dressed like his character from Thor Ragnarok. Oh, okay. And he would... I'm paying him. He's going to do costume changes. He's going to then also come out (laughs) as uh, uh, Dr. whatever his name is in Jurassic Park. Okay. He'd come out of that. And I, I mean, he'd just walk around and he'd be serving... Like he'd have a tray with champagne. Like, mm, could I, could I get you some, some, some champagne? Would you like a little bit more? To eat? That doesn't sound like it, but, but. You gave this some thought, didn't you? Uh, I, I didn't again. Oh, okay. This is more, I don't know if it's more impressive or less impressive. I don't think it's very impressive, but <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, Willem Dafoe and The Rock. If you had $3 million, what if I brought those people with me? That, would you be okay if I brought guests to your grand opening? Absolutely. Like, okay. Maybe Charlie Sheen. Hey, Charlie Sheen would be fun. That would just that'd be a wild card for the.
1: That would be whole a very opening. wild card, but I would be very entertained by the whole thing, <laughs> no matter how it turned out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, everyone. That's it for this episode. We'll see you for our one year anniversary. Oh, we didn't do D and D this time. I said I was going to. I'm gonna say that for next episode. I was
1: just gonna to say tough, but
0: <laughs> it'll, it'll be it'll be it'll be. Worth oh it. no. <laughs> Alright guys, we'll we'll see you next time.